Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, and Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. Yes, Bobby's talking about KG Day. I already have uh, some people here in the queue. I'll bring Brady right in. I, I love that this clip, Chris Latimer, is Bobby Manning. Brady, what's up, man? Thanks for coming. Uh, Early to the early after party, I guess. What's up? How's it going, up, Nick? Uh, not much. You know, this is actually the first Celtics game this year. I think I did not watch, um, to be honest. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and they won, so maybe you should not watch more often. <laughs> you know, I'll, if I if I don't watch the rest of the postseason, maybe we'll win a championship this year. So. Yeah, but no, maybe we'll get Lakers Celtics. And if that, hey, listen, man, uh, at this point, all I want is the Lakers not to win that's all that's, i care about nick you, know? you and i are on the same page that's all i was all i've been thinking about don't let the yep. Lakers get to 18 before we do they cannot dude like that's when you're looking at a, a a team that you know takes as much pride in the culture and then has a season like this and then your arch rival is going to overcome you there's no question the lakers have been the dominant franchise of the modern day nba like, just let us have our championships. Put their championships back in Minneapolis, right? I mean, yeah. come on, man. Yeah, I mean, for sure. That's probably the most frustrating thing. Yep. Like, if you're a player and you see those 17 banners, yep. that should motivate you enough to try uh, and play basketball. Isn't and, that the truth? Yep. Here's and, you know, where, when you think about it, and we've talked about this at nauseum. I don't know. I don't think on this show, but you, you, when you we just talked about it on the other postgame show. I don't know if you are on YouTube, but. Yeah, yeah I, I mentioned about the culture and the alumni and truth of the matter is it is difficult because the Celtics alumni are dying. They're dead. They're old. Yeah, they are. You know, I mean, you're talking about the originals, right? So, uh, you know, when you look at it and Red is probably, I tell Max this all the time, Red's probably rolling over in his grave, but, you know, he and Danny are the only two that are left actively around the team. You know, when I first started covering the team, you, Hondo would be there. JoJo would be at just about every game. Um, you'd get Cowens quite a bit. You'd have Tommy. You'd have Matt. Matt. Today, I don't know who's going to be there. And and that's tough. So I am a big proponent of bringing back KG, bringing back Pierce, even if it's in, like, the kind of uh, honorary roles they gave to, like, a Larry Bird after mm-hmm. he retired. Anything. I, and the guys in the in the YouTube – Brought up KG potentially as uh, an owner. And man, wouldn't that be, That'd be fantastic? That'd be a culture setter right there. If oh, my he was God. Your owner. It'd change everything. I mean, because he set the tone. Like, he's yep. serious. He's going to come at you. He He's, he's going to keep it real. He's going to say the shit he wants to, and he's going to let you know how he feels. And that culture sets a tone for the whole entire organization on what you're supposed to do. Um, I'll tell you what, man, like from, I remember covering that team, you know, you, you'd see Pierce, you'd see Ray, even the year with Shaq, you'd run it, but KG would yeah. walk out of the, the back room and through the locker room. We would all kind of, everybody just hush because you felt, and I said it in, in YouTube, you felt his energy, you know, and since then, if KG was in the building as a fan, you knew it the whole game, even before they put him on the Jumbotron. And that's. The culture, that intensity. If you think about it, Brady, that's what we've been begging this team to have all season. The intensity, season. effort, and passion. Can't teach that shit. Yeah, it's, it's been the whole season, too. It's been lit. Even when they were winning, it was like, they're winning. But the, it's, I still didn't see the passion. I mean, when they were 8-3, and three, yep. it looked like they were just kind of going through the motions. I mean, they even dropped one to the Pistons, I think, during that span, too. Like, yep. they just... Two to the Pistons. Been, we've been looking it for, really for the bad. whole season. We've been searching and searching. And yeah, we just what? haven't been able haven't been able to find it. And I feel like if KG was there, you know, even just like come from time to time, like you don't even need him the full season. Just when try you, and put Brady, these guys when you in think line. about it, man, who who is who is that guy right now? Is that guy Evan Turner? 
I mean, because they don't utilize Max the way they should. I'd have Max in there working with uh, with Robert Williams if you don't have a big man coach, right? I don't know if Max would do it or not, but, you know, you want to get somebody in there who could work with Robert Williams on his feet and his hands and because um, he's got such great potential. And then KG, yeah, man. I mean, when you talk about intensity, he's going to add it just by being in the room. He 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 He, he makes the air – more dense if that makes sense and you know you bring Paul around and I think that that Paul has always aspired to be in the front office I think he would be a great a great fit as well just to get that feeling back in the building then the other thing is guys I mean and Brady you particularly you know this team not just lacked passion and heart they also lacked chemistry cohesion and they didn't seem to especially on the defensive end oh well that is what it is they don't talk Right, I think yeah. on both ends of the court, to be honest with you. But the one thing is, they, they they just didn't have that. And I think that chemistry comes with going on the road as a team and being able to to leave the hotel and less restrictions. And then on top of that, you're going to look at uh, practicing again. I mean, not having practice, I think, has really hurt this team. The D League, not the G League, not being there has hurt the team. So. Yeah. You know, no fans it, too. No fans kills Jason Tatum. I tell you, it does. And it, it, I just think back of that 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 poster of that picture in my head of of Paul on the sidelines and 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 you know Tatum smacking him five. I mean, like Tatum, he elevates his game towards the fans. And the sad part about this team too this year was with when the three point shot went everything went right. Like they couldn't mm-hmm. seem to pick up other, other levels of their game when they were the case today. It's a cape. Yep. It was, it was what else Brady, man. I hope you're going to stick around through the off season. Obviously oh, we're not there quite yet, but we will be doing shows quite a bit. I know John has quite a bit of a really fun stuff uh, planned for the off season to keep you guys laughing at us. Yeah. I actually had a question about mm-hmm. Robert Williams. I've been thinking about it. Yep. He's he has not been able to get on the court consistently now for years. Like yep. I think this is like three years now in a row where he's just been not been able I mean, earlier in his career obviously it wasn't the spot for him with Al here, but mm-hmm. um you know, what do you what do you do with him if he's not gonna be able to be on the court? If this continues next year again, he's gonna play sixty percent of the games only. I mean, how do you build your fr- fr- franchise? You know, yeah, you I, 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 to rim I, protect. If yeah, he's not going to be the, in the lineup. Yeah, and there's like some mystery around his health, but he has some sort of disorder. But you know, you look at it, and Danny Ainge made a a dead set decision there by trading Tice, or maybe he knew Tice wasn't going to resign. I don't know, but he clearly created room for Rob to have more minutes, only to have him go back to the bench, and. Mm-hmm. What's the answer to that, Brady, man? I, Danny needs to bolster that bench. I mean, I, we were just talking about it on YouTube. I, we were, I was listening to Celtics beat this morning. Gary Washburn was on it, and he's talking about how the bottom half of the roster, 35% of the roster are the 2019 draft class. They're all drafted in 2019, and of those players, only one can sniff the court. And fair, not even amazingly great. So to answer your question, they need to have a backup for Rob. I mean, Rob is – I don't know that that if you, you could ever build a, a, a real cohesion with your center in and out, in and out. Now, it's a different game today. But – and the other thing is, I, I don't know how much of that is Brad just being by the book. I don't know. I think we're going to find out a lot this offseason. Unfortunately, I don't think we will as much as we used to because there's no – Media there, you're not going to get the Jackie Mack article that usually rocks the world. Um, but either way, yeah, that's a good question, man. I don't have an answer. Um, I'm going to leave you in with me, Brady. I'm going to bring in Finn as well. Finn Sounds good. from the uh, Celtics Insiders Instagram handle and uh, also helps us out with the Celtics All Access handle. Finn, what up, man? You can unmute. Hey, Nick, how are you? I'm good, bro. How are you? I'm a little under the weather, but I'm doing okay. Oh, no. What's wrong? Yeah. I just got some bad allergies. Okay. Allergies are all right. All right. You know, it's that time of year, you know? Yep. What's your thoughts, bro? This season, man. I feel bad for you young guys, I'll tell you. Like, yeah, I mean, 
It's been hard to watch this year. I think consistency has been a problem. And I think the Celtics, especially for the bench, I think the, their roles have been a problem this year. Because if you look look at a guy like Shemi Ojale, mm-hmm. one one game he'll start, especially in the beginning of the yeah. year, yes. he was getting significant minutes off the bench. And he was hitting his shots. Hitting I mean, he had yep. some really good games. Yep. And it seemed like he was starting to find some rhythm and could actually crack consistently in the Celtics lineup. But then as the season went along, I mean, his minutes started to decrease and decrease. And at this point, like, if you look at him, like, who knows what his role is. If one of the forwards is hurt, I mean, Shemby's going to start the game. But if one of the, like, if the starting lineup's healthy, Shemmy's not even going to play. So, like, how can Shemmy Ojale gain some momentum? And how can he get consistent if he doesn't even know his role? Dude, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, if you don't have any kind of set rotations, I mean, I used to say it by December. I mean, here we are going into the playoffs, and the Celtics still don't have uh, consistency in their in their distribution of minutes. And that's a major problem, not just for – um, for the player who is going through it in and out of the lineup, but and and we're not talking about like small changes, right, man? I mean, like Finn, th- this is like uh, Neesmith played like what four games in a row mid season, then you didn't see him again until about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, you could go around the the Rob was denigrated or denigrated was you know held to. 16, 18, 22 minutes. They couldn't take the leash, you know, the, the, the reins off. This has been Shemi, you mentioned. This has been an issue. Um, and I could go back. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but Brad it was always late to tighten his rotations. I mean, he'd go in the playoffs with more um, going deeper in his bench than most teams did. And coming from Doc Rivers, you were used to a seven, eight man at most going into the postseason. So. Let me ask you something, Finn. Do you remember KG at all? Yeah. You do remember him playing? Yep. So how old were you when he was here? Well, I'm 16 now. and You were like, about eight. So I basically saw his last couple of years in Boston. Mm-hmm. Like I, it'd be, when I was growing up, I remember vividly the Bird era, but the tail end from like 87 on, but I still remember 84. I was that your age when you saw KG, right? So you have memories of this guy, right? And as years go by, I think the memories get more and more stuff of legend, but thoughts on Garnett going into the hall and, and, and this, this class. Well, obviously this class is stacked. I mean, KG, Tim Duncan, Kobe, and I think, I mean, I think it's deserved, and though I couldn't really, I don't really have any memories of him in his 08 season, his end of his prime, yep. or in the in his first couple years in Boston, yep. like just watching the stories and like how he changed the culture of the Celtics, mm-hmm. it's really amazing, like I was, I watched the games on NBA Game Pass, and it was like Marcus Smart's rookie year, and he dove on a loose ball. And KG told Marcus Smart, like, hey, young fella, like, that's awesome. Like, he respected right. the fact that Marcus Smart dove on the floor. And I think that really shows, like, the culture that Kevin Garnett brought to Boston because he affects the locker room so much, and it leads to winning. Because when people see Kevin Garnett diving on a floor, they're going to want to dive on the floor, too. Not to mention the crowd will get hyped, and he just brings everyone into the game. So, I mean, I'm really happy that he's in the Hall of Fame. I think it's no surprise to anybody that he's in the Hall of Fame, and I'm just happy for him. Let's not forget, too, I mean, Paul got the nod today, so as we knew he would, that'll be next year's class. And, yeah, man, it's it's bittersweet, you know. Uh, Finn, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thank you for, for jumping on stage with me here and I'm going to leave you here for a minute uh, with Sherrod and Bobby, who just joined. I see those waiting with speaker requests. Hang tight. We're going to get to you, Adam, in a minute. Just make sure that everybody mutes when you come on stage or I will bounce you. I'm not as nice as, as John Zanis. Uh, Sherrod, Bobby, welcome. Take take the lead here. I'm going to go kind of smoke a cigarette, I think. 
choke, choke wow. for the youth. <laughs> All good. Now, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I had not mute myself here for a minute because I'm listening to KG give his uh, speech now with Isaiah Thomas. Ooh, so. ooh, ooh. Man. I got to put that on. Go ahead. KG is the freaking man, y'all. He's Tell some the, stories he's here, the, about, oh. like back in the day when we were all back there, like being around KG. I was just telling them how scary he was. Well, you know what? Here's, here's the funny part about Kevin, though. Um, he wasn't really that scary to me, only because we, we connected before when he was in Minnesota. And I, I'll just tell you one of my favorite KG stories from, from back then. Uh, Joe Smith was a teammate of Kevin's back in Minnesota, and, and there was like an illegal contract deal, and his contract had to be voided, and and Joe wound up in Detroit for a year. He did one year uh, in Detroit, went back to Minnesota, and so media from Detroit went to Minnesota, looking forward to that first game back there. And so we're in the locker room before the game in that morning uh, for pre for, uh, morning shoot-around, and we're sitting around, we're standing around waiting for Joe to come out because that's who he came to talk to. And Kevin walks in the room and looks at us and just like, hey, fellas, I'll be with you in a second. And we were like, oh, uh, okay. And Joe was in the training room watching this unfold. And then Kevin comes back out and he sits down, takes a deep breath, and he's just like, all right, fellas, let's go. And we spent about 20 minutes talking about brotherhood, about Joe Smith, obviously, about his thoughts on, on leadership. I mean, it was the most amazing 20 minutes of Kevin Garnett I have ever experienced. And you, it, it, the, one, the one thing about Kevin that I've always appreciated is that the intensity that you see his teammates vibe off of and are kind of engulfed by, it ain't that much different for the media. Because at that, because listening to Kevin talk about how things that he's so passionate about, you find yourself feeling passionate about those things too. His ability to connect with anyone and everyone, uh, whether it's media, whether it's fans, teammates, is on a level that I'd never seen before. And frankly, I don't know if I ever will. Uh, someone who's able to, to connect the dots on all those levels the way he did. Uh, he's a GOAT uh, on so many levels. Uh, in, in my generation of people that I've covered, and I've been doing this for you know over 20 years, and Kevin is on a level that no one else no one. And Nick, you know who we found out within the last year was the musician who drove his career? Who? Oh. Kenny G. <laughs> Bobby. Is that why that came up on the Super Bowl? Like, why was she no. Kenny it was so funny because I brought up Kenny G possibly being a guest at the Super Bowl. And then KG went on Jimmy Kimmel a couple yes, weeks later yes, and was like, yeah. <laughs> and was like, you know, I need to find some balance in my career. I'm obviously a very intense guy, this and that. And he's like, so I gravitated toward Kenny G's music. It just gave the alternative to me. Oh, man. Pounding, soothing. Soothing. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, Sherrod, uh, I don't miss the, the waiting. Remember how much you'd make you wait? You'd wait for. I, I remember that. Hey, I remember that. But you know what? The, it was he worth gave the wait. Stuff. It was worth the wait. It was worth the wait because he gave. It was stuff. annoying as hell. I agree, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it was so worth it. It was worth the wait because he always gave you something, even if it was something funny or crossword. Exactly. See, in exactly. my business, it was all about what they wore. And what they said, because obviously we were always known for the post-game press conferences, right? So you knew KG drop an F-bomb, you get 10,000 views. You knew Rondo would come out in a zebra skin coat, you're getting 10,000 views. Like that team was just, and I think all the way up to Isaiah was another one. Isaiah was another one who would give you something all the time, mm-hmm. you know, every game. And, and now you got a lot of mumblers, but you, if the press conference comes back, you're going to get more of those, you know, uncanned moments, I think. But KG, man, I remember 11, seeing Shaq walk through the locker room and trying not not to look impressed. But then Garnett, I must have seen him a bunch of times by then, and I was still shaking in my boots. Um, it's just, he just had a presence about him. And uh, I just, you're blessed to have had that 25 minutes, Sherrod. I'm jealous. He, he, that was awesome. 
he's one of those guys that you just can't imagine there being another one. Like he is one of one personality, impact, presence as you talk about Nick, and just his whole allure. Like there will never ever be anything even approaching KG with his, the intensity, how he talked, how he held the room, and how he impacted the floor as well. Just the total package there. Like I, I'm bummed I didn't get to cover him firsthand because you just know there's never going to be another one when it comes to that. And let me tell you something. I think Sherrod would agree. He fit the Celtic mold perfectly at a time where you couldn't have been at the worst, lowest of the low. And Kevin Garnett comes in, and all of a sudden, Paul Pierce is uh, – everything just changed, but Garnett fit, fit that. I still hear Phil Collins, Sherrod, and I think of Kevin Garnett on the Jumbotron prior, pregame, right? When they'd start coming – they'd come out of the, the tunnel, they'd play that Phil Collins song. I mean, right. And that wasn't too cool. Phil Collins wasn't even cool then, but it was KG's song, so it was it great. It became cool. Yeah, you were there for it all, bro. Craziness, craziness. Anyway, you guys can talk current hoops. I'm going to bring on Adam. I think he's still waiting here. Adam from, oh, no, he's gone. So we'll go to Todd Hall. Todd Hall. Thanks for joining. Finn, thank you. I'm going to bounce you. See you later. Uh, Todd, you're on with Sherrod and Bobby. Are you there, Todd? Oop. I think he's preparing. I think he just he is. he's finishing his cue cards or flashcards. Nope, he dropped himself out. So now we're going to go to our buddy Ben, who is a regular. He knows the drill. Ben. What's up, guys? How are hey, you? What's- um, how's it going? I actually, I, I didn't see the game. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> don't see more. We play well. the game. This is the, this I think is the, that's going to be a trend I, today. This is the this is the first yeah. time I haven't. I, it's not like I purposely missed it. I'm I'm at my girlfriend's place this weekend, so I uh, I was kind of busy. But like, it's the first time I've actually not seen the game and joined one of these. But uh, I saw uh, what's his face Pritchard got a lot of run. Finally, finally started the guy. Um, who do you think will have to step up uh, for like? Brown and Williams, like who do you think is going to have to step up the most in a playoff series? I know we have sort of a a grim like opening round matchup probably either way, but uh, who do you think uh, will have to step up the most between the young guys? Well, the young guys, I, I mean, I, I think at this point you know that Neesmith is going to play. You know that Pritchard is, is more than likely going to play. Um, so I think both of those guys have to just keep stepping up. And even though he's not necessarily a young guy because he's like 28, 29 years old, but Fournier, he's going to be the one guy that I will be looking for to really fill that Jalen Brown void. And he's done a really good job uh, of late, you know, not including today, but the previous six games, he'd been averaging like 20 plus points, shooting better than 55% from the field. And I think shooting like 54, 55 from three point range. So he's getting it done. Uh, in, in these games that Jalen has been out. But as we all know, the playoffs are a different kind of animal. And in order to attack it and attain it, you've got to be better than you were in a regular season. It remains to be seen if he'll do that. But I definitely like the, the way that he's trending right now, for sure. Yeah, I'm lo- for sure. I'm looking at the centers. That's my biggest concern going into this week ahead is will they get Rob back playing at any percentage of what he was before? Doesn't seem likely to me that turf toast change thing, um, but can you get some quality Grant minutes at the five? Can you get Cornette in here behind Thompson? And how is Thompson feeling even? Because he looked horrible last week with that pec strain. So they almost have next to nothing at center right now when you think about their health and their depth at that spot. Is so it bad Grant- that I prefer Cornette over Thompson right now? Is it bad that like? Watching them play, I'd I wouldn't go. You're talking to the wrong person if you're asking Bobby that question. I know. He's I was just going to say, are we paying people? Are, are we paying people to come in here today and like get Bobby? <laughs> well, you know what? I, given what they have right now, maybe that's the way you go because he's on a hot ride right now, and you might have to just roll in the postseason if the other guys are banged up. But I would uh, like to see Rob just stand out there and get the benefit of his passing and his rotation and his shot blocking, even if it's only a percentage of what he was giving you before. I'm glad they rested him up this week, and I almost wish they didn't throw him into that game against the um, 
which game was that? The game at the beginning of last week when he came in and played 11 minutes and then ultimately just stepped out after halftime. I wish he got the full week, but at that point, they were still playing for a seed. So I'm looking at Grant. I'm looking at Cornette. Can they give you anything in the playoffs? I mean, anything from those two would be huge because they need it bad. The question is, how do you build a team around Rob when he can't stay on the floor for the court? It's a huge question going into next year. I mean, and can, can we get can. a straight answer on his health? I mean, is it a blood disorder I've been hearing or something? What is the drill with that? Do you know, Sherrod? Uh, he's got a multitude of issues, and I think that's the, that's the reason why we can't get a straight answer, because the issues that he's dealing with, he fluctuates. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, you can't build around him. That's, that's Remember what that. Brad said earlier in the year. John thought it was a conspiracy. John thinks everything's can't a conspiracy. Play him. You can't play him more than 20 minutes a game. And that's – he can't be your franchise centerpiece at center if that's the case. He's your backup probably. So, yeah. I don't know. Like, just Sherrod and I just talked about the fact that you need impact with size to win a championship. So, ultimately, you're going to either need a four or five type who can be your third piece of your big three to win a championship in this league. And there just aren't available options. Like, that is such a luxury in this league that when you have it like Denver does, like L.A. does, like Brooklyn does, that's what puts you in Milwaukee as well, Philly. Those are the teams that are championship contenders because of the size and impact at center that they have. Let's go to uh, Troy. Troy, you can unmute. You're on locker room with uh, uh, Bobby. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. What's going on? What's up, buddy? What's going on? Hey, hey, good to see y'all again or talk to y'all again. I um, missed your post-game report, so sorry if you guys did uh, mention this. I'm already about to speak on already. I usually get to see it. Um, But kind of piggybacking on, uh, I think it was Ben who was just here before me. I did watch the game, and um, I've just been so baffled whenever I see Tremont Waters in the starting lineup. And not only did Pritchard get to start, but it takes more of the onus off of Tremont, who clearly isn't that level of just poise, point guard. But he, even today, I think he had 14.7 assists. He just looked better because he was in a better role for him, where mm-hmm. when, like you guys have said before, he's not in the rotation, then all of a sudden gets thrown in the starting lineup. It's like, what am I doing here? Whereas Pritchard is just a better player. He's, you know, given more all year. And just today, I know, you know, situations are what they are. End of the season, blah, blah, blah. It just – the team looked a lot better. The movement looked a lot better. And then uh, real quick, just for Bobby, Cornette did not look awful against Cat. Um, just want to throw that out. <laughs> he did not. Man, we were spending some serious checks today. Folks, um, damn. We know this team's going nowhere. Exactly. The fact that Cornette's going to be able to play some real playoff minutes here, I think, is really what exciting. Four blocks? <laughs> four blocks? Give him a chance. 11 blocks in the last six games he's played in. I, I, that's a lot. That's just facts. You know, I, I don't think Cornette's better than Thompson or Williams at all. But, hey, that's facts. And he's out there actually moving. He gets behind the defense. He gets, you know, low passes. I feel like he kind of makes himself more offensively available than and, Thompson And, and listen, I, I don't want to take all the credit for him because – But you're about to take all the credit no, for him. So Timberwolves. No, you know no, it. <laughs> no. Kendrick Perkins, probably a few days before I really got on the um, Cornet train, was saying, and people were laughing. He at played him, with he said, him, didn't he? He, he said, "Don't sleep on this guy. He dominated me in the G League." Yeah, everybody <laughs> did. Perk, no offense, by that point, <laughs> we, were, we were all laughing at that comment, but he was yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, he did say it. I thought you were first, though, Bobby. I thought you gave him that take. No, I think Perk <laughs> beat me by a few – because that was before Cornette even played with the team. I got on on board with him when he led that comeback against the Thunder with the huge threes down the stretch in that game. And I just gave was, one more apology, Cam, than John did this year, so I feel good about that. He did. Yeah, I did. Well, appreciate y'all having me. Uh, hey, hey, man, we appreciate you, Troy. Again. Come back. We'll be here all offseason. Always. Oh, yeah. See y'all on Tuesday. Yeah, man. Okay. Sounds good. Let's bring David Hall in. David, you could unmute. Are you there, brother? Uh, 
Yes, David. Nope, he just muted. You could unmute, David. All right, let's keep. We're gonna move on, bro. Up oh, there, he is. I apologize about that. I didn't even know you guys. Were. That's all right, ma'am. Hey, we all have uh, fat fingers. It's all good. That's definitely true. <laughs> uh, well, since you guys uh, got me on, uh, my question was for Bobby. Uh, with Rob out and Tristan uh, out, do you think Luke will step up a little bit more? Or do you think he's still going to keep his same average numbers? Or do you think uh, Cornette probably can be more helpful uh, coming into play in the tournament? It depends who they play. If you're playing the Wizards, you can get away with Cornette against the Robin Lopez. If you're playing the Hornets, when they go with Biombo in there, Cornette can definitely match up with him. But if they're playing P.J. Washington at the five, you're going to have to go with Grant or uh, Rob or someone else there who's a little more mobile or agile. Even Tatum, you know, you can go really small against a lineup like that. As much as I love Luke, the Celtics are probably in a better position if they can go small with Tatum, Fournier, Smart, some guards, Neesmith, Pritchard, if they can go super small against a team like Charlotte and then ultimately Brooklyn, that's probably when they're going to look their best because they can run, uh, they can cut passing lanes, they can be more versatile defensively, and uh, just play a more Brad Stevens brand of ball. If they're with Luke out there, Taco, those kind of guys, they're going to be a little more uh, slow and stiff and have some issues guarding the perimeter I'd imagine as well so I'm I believe in Cornette in certain matchups and against Philadelphia you're gonna have to try everybody at center anyone with size against Embiid is gonna get a shot there uh, so it all depends on who they're gonna play down the stretch here and that worries me too sure because what have I been saying it's still gonna be experimenting into the playoffs like I just know it's coming at this point they're gonna be trying everything and anything and I know they kind of have to do it based on what they have on the roster and the injuries and that kind of stuff, but I just don't think that lends towards stability. We've seen it all year that mixing and matching constantly hasn't helped this team. It, it hasn't. It really hasn't helped this team, but here's the thing. Because of how they played, that's probably your best shot of shocking the world and making some legitimate noise is to come up with a lineup that maybe on paper does not look great, but for whatever reason, it just may work. And when that happens, you have to milk that. You have to ride that wave as long as you can. And I, I do think that, you know, your guy Cornette, I think he'll, he'll at some point, he's going to get on the floor. Uh, and the thing that I like about what he's doing above anything and everything else is he's providing value to whatever whatever he is being tasked with having to do. Uh, he is a player that, we, I mean, we all agree, has a limited ceiling in terms of what he can provide and I think more times than not when he gets out there he's giving you pretty much all that he has to offer and if you're the Celtics you can't really expect more than that but you really wish that you know Tristan would do a better job of putting some distance between his play and Cornette's play because frankly their play is in, in my eyes is a little too close close than it should be. I wish we had Dr. John here to give us a prognosis on the tech screen. He's lurking in the chat room. He won't come on. I requested him a couple times. If he uh, if he's in the chat, I want to hear how long a tech screen recovery could be. Because again, John, Thompson he's on WebMD as we speak. Yes, Thompson looked horrible last week in that Miami series. That was the game I was talking about. Miami. Um, he just wasn't moving well. Wasn't able to take the physicality inside against Bam and. Definitely wasn't as good on the board, so that's that's how. Hey, Bobby, Bobby, I'm glitching right now. My screen just went blank. I don't want the room to crash again. I'm gonna give you hosting and reset. All right. All right. I'll pull on that. Uh, we get it. Looks like we got a couple people in here. Good, good, good. Uh, Brady. Hey guys, what's going on? Uh, just curious, what do you think? Um, uh, Brad is or. Yeah, Brad's going to do for tomorrow. You think he's going to rest rest the guys, or do you think he's uh, going to try and go out and um, win versus New York? I haven't heard anything about the injury report yet. I hope he rests Tatum. I, I, I to be candid with you, I don't care about anyone else but Tatum. I hope he rests Tatum. And I and I and I, you know, you look at today and you, we see that uh, Carson Edwards didn't play at all. He was like the only one that did not play. So I'm assuming, unless he's hurt, that we'll see a good dose of Carson Edwards. Uh, tomorrow against 
New York and probably not much, if any, of, let's say, Peyton Pritchard, for example. Um, but Tatum's a guy that I, I really want to see in street clothes before, during, and after the game. Uh, I, I, just, I just think that this time of year, knowing that you've got that seven spot locked up, uh, it's just not the, – the reward is not worth the risk of playing Tatum at this point. So you see Smart uh, on the bench too, along with Ross and everyone so. else tomorrow, probably. I yeah, hope you'll so. see I mean, Smart I, on there because he's hurt. All right. Is the Smart injury? Do you know if it's legit again, or is it, or is it more rest? You think? It's legit. I think it's legit. Yeah, he bumped in the Robinson in that Heat game, and I guess took a blow to blow the calf on that collision there. So that's what Brad seemed to think the issue was. So luckily, that's not connected to. Some other issue, pain and discomfort I've seen from him in recent weeks. So he has definitely needed this rest overall. Um, luckily, they didn't think it's a calf strain at all. They do think it's just a bruise. So minor injury should be good to go for Tuesday. But I definitely don't see him out there tomorrow. You definitely want to rest Tatum. Kemba, you're definitely resting, I would imagine. So you're just kind of sending Fournier and company out there. And you don't have a ton of bodies in that case, especially with all the centers missing. But, like, yeah, I almost want to see them practice on Monday, Sherrod, if they can. Like, if you rest everybody tomorrow and can get a quick walkthrough practicing ahead of Tuesday just to be ready for that matchup that you're going to be going against, do some stuff, prepare, try some stuff live. Like, it doesn't have to be a full-scale practice, but I think that would be good for them against... Uh, going into that matchup on Tuesday. And that's why you wanted to see even more starters get some rest here so they can do that. I'd imagine they're not going to be able to even do that now. Yeah, and I would even even take it a step further. What's that? The Knicks this year. Can we see the second 30-point loss to the Knicks this year? You could. Because, I mean, if I I had my way, I would keep all the guys that we're talking about out of the lineup, and I would keep 48 on, on the bench as well. Well, the Knicks are also battling for seeding. They got a big win today, and they have to steal up that four seed tomorrow. So they'll be going hard in that game for sure. Right. Yeah. That it could get really ugly. All right. Let's see. Speaker requests. We do not have any speaker requests since I've become host. At least you might have to send them back in and uh, reset this here. So. Anyone want to hop on? You will be first in line here on Locker Room Overtime. I don't know if Nick will be joining us again here. So it's just Sherrod and I at this point. And uh, I don't know. What else is on your mind, Sherrod? We're, we're really coming up against it at the end of the season. Oh, David wants to hop in. It looks like he has another question here. David, what's up? Uh, well, I mean, I already asked one question, but this one's mostly uh, with the playing tournament coming. Uh, what doesn't we have to win one game? Uh, I heard you guys say earlier that the Wizards will be a better matchup than the Hornets. Are you are you guys like, certain about that? With Russell Westbrook keep going off in twenty twenty and twenty the other day, and uh, Bradley Bill possibly returning to the play in tournament. So, like, do you guys really think that would be better for us or against uh, a young Hornets team who I wouldn't say they have the best shot makers, but they're you know young and hungry, but they don't have you know tough shot makers like a Bradley Bill or a Russell Westbrook. Well, Bradley yeah, Bill's not going to play. We'll see. I don't know. I like the, he's, He was talking about playing tomorrow even, so I think he's going to go out there and do it. The question is how healthy is he with the hamstring because that lingers. That's an injury that's, that lingers. And... That's a dangerous, dangerous-ish injury that, man, I just don't know if, if Bradley Beal, if he's, thinking, if he's thinking about this in the big picture, is a 7-8 matchup in a playing game worth potentially – doing some serious damage to the hamstring. Yeah, I don't know. It depends how serious it is, I guess. Everything I've heard from them this week is that it's not a bad hamstring pull and that he's just kind of resting it up and preparing for these big games. And obviously it's a huge one tomorrow to get that one-win position instead of two wins needed to get in, uh, Mm -hmm. that seven seed. And then, um, you know, then there'll be another game on Thursday, I would imagine, if they do end up losing on Tuesday. But they essentially are coming up against three playing game, playoff games, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. And he's going to have to be strategic about maybe if he takes Sunday off, uh, he can win that game on Tuesday 
or if he loses, he'll still be in a position to make the playoffs at that point if they can get the second one. Uh, so I don't think we'll see him tomorrow, but I do think if it's Wizards Celtics on Tuesday, we'll see Beal back. But it's just which Beal. What worries me about the Wizards is Westbrook. He, you just know the intensity that he plays with Sherrod. Mm-hmm. We know that the Celtics have lacked intensity this year. So if he goes out there and just grabs the game from Boston with a encapsulating performance of setting teammates up, scoring 30 points, grabbing all the boards, doing everything he needs to on the defensive end, it feels like the way he has played late this season, he could go out there and single-handedly steal that game from Boston, which scares me. I don't see the same kind. Even though LaMelo Ball is a great player, I don't see that kind of ability from him, even if Boston plays well, to just go and grab the game from them. No, but my concern with Charlotte has more to do with the collective efforts of that team like they're they're not a team that's going to have one or two guys that are going to lead the charge and beat you you know by themselves they they beat you as a group and their group I mean I mean I think their group is playing better than the Celtics group so that's not going to be an an easy cakewalk or anything like that and as far as Bradley Bill is concerned if he's not 100% I feel great about that that matchup if he is close to 100% it's going to be a dogfight because uh, he's that good. He's that impactful. So his health is really going to determine in, in many, many respects, and this is a no-brainer, that, of how that, that one-game playoff is going to go. Um, and, and if you're the Celtics, you got to prepare as if you, he's going to be out there playing for 35, 40 minutes, even if he, that may not be the case. Uh, either way, the Celtics are going to have – they're not going to face a team that's going to beat themselves. They're going to have to beat these teams. These, these teams aren't going to do it themselves. I also checked in on the Charlotte side. It does not look like Gordon Hayward will be available for that game. There's a question of whether he's going to return at all this season at this point. So just like Kyrie, the Celtics will not see Hayward the first year after he left the team, which is something. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. How are you feeling, David? Who do you want to see? All right. I guess we'll just move on to our next question here from Brady again. What's up, Brady? Uh, I got another question. Uh, I was talking about this with Nick earlier about Rob Williams. Like, if he legitimately can't find himself to play in the lineup, what is what is the trade market? Like, what's his value right now in terms of as an asset to be moved? Who's that? Rob Williams. Rob Williams. So, I'll ask you this, Sherrod, too, but everything I heard around the trade deadline, because there's a lot of talk of if you could use Rob as a trade piece, Vucevic was tossed around as a guy that maybe could be a centerpiece for a deal for him. Uh, Other names that were tossed around out there, obviously, we're talking about Ball, Collins, those kind of guys. And the way Rob was playing back then, it looked like, or at least you would assume, that Rob would become a real deal chip in a trade. Uh, Celtics were still obviously limiting his minutes a little bit at that point, but you saw a lot of promise from what he was doing on the court. Here's the deal around the league right now. 26 teams passed on Rob in the draft, and they did it for a reason, and they still know what the Celtics know and what everyone knows around the league. His health is a significant concern, and the magic went as far as to say we'd rather have Wendell Carter, who really hasn't shown a lot in the league so far with Chicago. They wanted him over Rob Williams, and it was significantly so to the point where all Denver or all Chicago had to give up alongside that was a very distant or a couple first-round picks in the future along with Carter. So it really didn't cost that much, and people were surprised with how little it cost to get Vucevic. But what's clear is that Rob Williams wasn't going to be enough from the Celtics just because they didn't. They didn't want Rob, and I don't think there's a lot of teams around the league that want to take down a major trade as a return when you don't know if he's going to be available night in or night out, and even if he is, how many minutes can he play? Yeah, Rob's Rob's a tough one. I mean, because the the, the issue that most have with him has nothing to do with talent and everything to do with availability. Uh, You don't want to give up assets for someone who you don't feel is very reliable and not reliable in terms of, you know, their play, but reliable in literally them being available to play. 
Uh, Rob is the ultimate basketball tease around here. Someone who, when he does play, you are just kind of really mesmerized by how good he is in terms of impacting the game, in terms of getting the ball to his teammates, doing all those little things. And you you know that with the backdrop being, but he does get hurt quite often. He does miss games with a lot of regularity. And that is why his value is greater with the Celtics than it is on another team. Because no one is going to give you something of comparable value for what he can do as a player. Does Rob come back to the playing game, you think, or no? I'm hopeful. I, I don't think Bobby is as, as optimistic as I am about that because Bobby is, is spot on when he talks about how serious toe turf injuries are. But I just think that Rob's going to find a way to get on that court. Um, yeah. And even if it's just for 10, 15 minutes, I think he's going to find a way. Yeah, Brad seemed to think that he could. So we'll see. I think it's just all about how he responds day in and day out on the court when they're doing walkthroughs and whatever they are ahead of games. Um, so we'll see how he responds. He got a cortisone shot. The pain didn't subside immediately. So we'll just see how the next few days go when it comes to that. Again, I don't know a lot about that injury, even covering basketball for a couple of years now. Shred, you just don't hear about that one. That's a baseball injury. That's a football a injury. Football. You hear, yeah, you hear, about, you hear about that all the time in those sports. I've never heard about it in basketball. No, I mean, it, 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 ha- I mean, it happens from time to time. But the, the, for Rob specifically, it's a problematic injury because so much of his game is predicated on the ability to jump and leap and just react quickly. And when, you, when you're having issues with that toe and your ability to pivot, your ability to jump, your ability to shuffle your feet in a timely manner, all of those things are impacted in a bad way. And so this is, I mean, there's obviously injuries that could be of, of more severity and, and, and devastating to him. But this is a pretty bad one, not in terms of what the timetable for him to get healthy is, but more so because it's the type of injury that's very difficult for him to play through. Because, again, it attacks part, a big part of what his game centered around, which is leaping, jumping, pivoting, things of that nature. All right. We have a couple more people here. An hour now, so I think we'll wrap it up after our final few here. Goat. Is what they say. I see in the chat. He says he finally agrees with me on something. What's that? Oh boy! Goat face, you hear? All right. Guess we'll jump on to Caden. Caden is with us here. What's up, Caden? Hello. Hey. Hey, what's up, Caden? Hey, how are you guys? Good. Um, so I have a quick question. Would you guys rather see Philly in the first round than Brooklyn? Ooh. That's, uh. Yes. Mm. It's, again, it's like, I, I said this in our Celtics blogs Slack earlier, Sherrod. Like, I think Philly is drowning and Brooklyn is, like, falling out of a building or something. Like, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Philly's get, you're, you're gonna die against Philly. It's gonna be slow and painful, and be just gonna like slowly grind you apart inside, and it's gonna be tough to watch. Brooklyn's gonna be boom, three pointers falling, jump shots everywhere, breakout layups. It's gonna be a thirty point game, and then you can just shut it off and uh, go about your day. <laughs> It'll be yeah. over real quick in a sweep. So I like how Boston can go small against Brooklyn, but I don't even think it's gonna matter if you don't have Brown. So right. Philly, I guess, since they play that drop defense, you could hit a ton of jumpers one game and steal one, maybe two, as you said earlier. So in terms of maybe being able to steal a series, it's definitely Philly. Um, yeah, you're not even touching Brooklyn, I don't think. No, yeah, well, the I problem we... is... Go ahead. Sorry, you got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think we actually have, like, a puncher. Not a big chance against Philly, but I think we have a puncher's chance, unlike Brooklyn. I think we're killed. If we play Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Brooklyn is that the good news is that the Celtics have the ability to go small and be able to match up with them. The bad news is that none of those matchups or most of those matchups are not good. You just have the ability to utilize them. uh, Whereas against Philly, you can't really do that because you have no one that can match up size wise 
uh, with Joel. So Milwaukee or Philadelphia, and plus with Philadelphia, you know, the other thing, and we talked about this on the Garden Report, is that, uh, you know, the Celtics still have some real estate up between the, between the ears of the Sixers. There's still a, a, a little, a sliver remnant of, Boston pretty much having their way with Philadelphia and it getting to the point where it becomes a mental thing. Uh, this, if the two met, there's absolutely no question that if the Celtics are able to still game one, that will mentally shake up that, that Sixers team in a way that will remind us of what we've seen from previous Sixers teams. Now, the, the difference this year more than any is that having Doc Rivers. I think Doc should not have any problem getting them out of the first round. Second round, I think it's going to be a lot tougher. But if you're the Celtics, you, you're not caring about that. You just want to get into the playoffs and compete, find a way to compete and give yourself a chance to win a couple games and extend your season as long as you can. But if you're if they're paired up with Brooklyn, it's going to be bad and over very quickly. Yeah, if you win on Tuesday, it's Brooklyn. If you lose and win on Thursday in the second playing game, it would be Philly. So that's how it's going to line up here. There's an outside chance of the Bucks jumping up to two, but again, the Nets have the Cavs tomorrow, so they're almost certainly going to clinch too. Um, anything else, Caden? Nope. Thanks, guys. All right, man. Thanks, Caden. So thanks for asking a question. We have one more question, Sherrod, before we can go about our afternoon here. Jonathan Gutierrez is joining us. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, guys. Um, I just have a question. Who do you think is going to win the finals this year? Because at the beginning of the season, it was a lot a clear-cut Lakers or Nets, and then obviously injuries, and then the Harden trade happened. But Philly looks even better. Utah, I think, is a, uh, had a good chance. I'm a huge fan of Phoenix. I, I think a lot of people might be sleeping on Milwaukee. Who do you guys see winning? That is a great question. Sherrod, I can't remember a time – when there were so many teams that you could make an argument for. You could say the Sixers, Bucks, Nets, Suns, Jazz, Lakers, Clippers, even the Nuggets, at, like even post-Murray. You could make an argument there with the MVP and the other pieces that they've had because they've kept winning games since that happened. Um, yeah. I'd imagine the champion will come from the West, but again, Philly's got the defense. Brooklyn's got the offense. Uh, so this is just such a wide open race in my mind i love what the clippers have done this year bouncing back from the collapse last year uh you have george playing at a very high level you have some quality inside play as well as some passing at the guard spot now in rondo and i like the way their path is lining up it's probably going to be portland uh, round one if they're in that three spot or dallas in that four or five slot and then you jump into Phoenix or Jazz or whoever in that next round. If you're, It's so hard. I don't know. If you're going to make me pick someone, I would probably go with the Clippers again. I picked them last year, and it felt like they had what it took, and then they just completely collapsed. So I hate to do that again, but that's the team I like most. Brooklyn, I was very high on them coming in. Their path has made me a little more nervous about them, especially since I don't think they match up with Milwaukee all that well. Um, so I'm not going with the Nets. So I'm thinking either Clippers or Sixers. Um, I, I will say this, though. People have slept on the Suns. People have slept on the Jazz. I wouldn't do that this year just because I think these playoffs are going to be so different that a team like that could possibly go on a run this year just from being healthy, cohesive, and having a nice path here with home court. Yeah, I mean, I, I think first, I mean, coming out of the East, I think it'll be Brooklyn. I, I just think that, that offense is so damn high power that they're going to, I think, advance through the playoffs. And even when one or two of those guys gets hurt or misses a game for whatever reason, I still think that Brooklyn is going to be the, the crown jewel in the East this year. And out West, as you pointed out, it's very wide open. Uh, you know, you talk about the Jazz, the Suns, I think the Nuggets are right up there as well. The Mavericks, you know, they've, they're, they've been on a really nice run of late. I think eight of their last ten they've won, and they're up to like five in the West. But I think because of this being unlike any season we've ever experienced, it would only be fitting that we would have an atypical champion crown. And that's why I'm rolling with the Jazz. I'm going to go with the Jazz. They've never won one. 
Uh, and even though they have the highest all-time winning percentage in the NBA of a team that has never won a title. So they are more than overdue to do it this year. And I think the fact that they're finding ways to win without Donovan Mitchell, who's been sidelined. And the other thing I like about them, in addition to the Quinn Snyder and their ability to play at an elite level at both ends of the floor, you have to remember this also about the Utah Jazz. They're a team that has not one, but two guys who are probably going to finish in the top three for sixth man of the year. And what that tells me is that they have elite role players. And when you get to the postseason and the playoffs, you're going to need some of your non-mainstay players to step their game up. And they've got two of the best when you talk about Joe Ingles and you talk about Clarkson. So they, to me, I think are, are a team that's built for the playoffs this year better than they've ever been before. And because of just the unusual nature of how this season is playing out and the fact that, you know, they're, they're going to have home court more likely than not throughout the entire playoffs, Utah's a team I'm going to roll with this year to get it done. Yeah, and Rudy Gobert has been overlooked as an MVP candidate this year. I, don't, I think people have stopped paying attention to MVP just because Jokic is running away with it. But I do think like the two, three, four, five spots in that race are going to be interesting. Um, I almost think there's an argument that Rudy should be top five because um, I've read a couple articles this week in various places, 538 included, that uh, he has had one of the best statistically defensive seasons ever uh, when it comes to keeping guys out of the paint, uh, limiting shots when he's one-on-one with another guy, blocking shots. He's done at a high rate this year, rebounding through the roof, and leading what's probably the best defense in the league right up there with Philly uh, overall. And Gobert is obviously going to be the defensive player of the year again. Uh, So I feel like he just – he catches so much flack because they've had some issues in the playoffs and – He's more of a defensive guy than an offensive guy at that position and it doesn't have much perimeter game. He just goes to the rim and dunks a ton. So I think he's caught in a lot of flack from people over the years that don't see him as one of the great bigs in the league. But I think this year especially, people are going to be surprised with the kind of playoff run he has and the kind of impact that he can have on playoff games. Mm-hmm. So Jazz, I'm not picking them, but I wouldn't rule them out. I mean, they just have so much shooting. Their defense is elite. Last year, they were the best shooting team in the league, actually. I'm sure they're right up there again this year. I I wouldn't sleep on them. I wouldn't sleep on Phoenix, even, even though it's the first year that they're in this mix in forever. Um, There are just so many teams right now. I'm going to stick with the Clippers, but I'm very scared about it (laughs) after what happened last year. As you should be. As you should be. There's a chance. I'm looking at the standings right now. There was a chance as of yesterday that the Clippers and Lakers could meet round one, which I'll certainly be rooting for because we didn't get to see it last year. And who knows if we'll get to see it if they don't meet round one this year. Um, Nuggets and Clippers are tied for three. Nuggets have the tiebreaker. There's talk of the Nuggets tanking their game against the Blazers tomorrow because they'll fall down to four against Dallas and they'll keep the Lakers from moving up to six, which if they stayed at three, they would see the Lakers round one, Denver that is. So it makes sense for them to drop down the four, stay out of the Lakers bracket, um, and get Dallas round one, which I think would be smart. So we're probably looking at Portland versus the Clippers round one, and then Denver versus the Mavericks, and... Still crazy to think about, but the Lakers are going to be in that playing game against Steph Curry and the uh, Warriors or the Grizzlies. They are actually playing tomorrow for that eight seed. Can't so, wait. It's going to be fun out west. Again, I've said this a couple times this year. The Celtics, thank God, that they aren't in the Western Conference. Yeah, that would not be good. All right. We'll be back tomorrow, 1 o'clock, Celtics-Knicks. That regular season is finally over. Uh, and Then it's on the Tuesday and playing tournament. Thank you for being with us here, Sherrod, this afternoon. And um, thank you to everybody in the room here who asked questions. We'll see you again tomorrow after post-game show. If you want this on demand, go grab it, Celtics post-game podcast. That's where we put this audio. The Garden Report podcast is where we put our post-game audio. And we'll see you tomorrow after Celtics-Knicks. See ya.